Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the grand miracle, the great miracle, the glorious miracle. We thank you for the incarnation. We thank you for the gift that came from heaven. How wonderful. We thank you that Jesus, born of a virgin, born in a small hamlet called Bethlehem, we thank you that you were also the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Thank you, Lord. The the one who knows no limits, omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient. We thank you. You squeezed into the limitations of a human body and came into this world so that you may lead us as the prophets had promised as the prophets had promised a pathway would be made for all of humanity towards God Lord we are grateful as we begin this service together and move towards the communion table as your people we give thanks for the gift of Jesus the great miracle in the name of Christ amen if you're familiar with reading the gospels and when you start out and i remember that profound moment of coming to faith as a with a pedigree of non-believing. I'd only ever been in church two times in my life by the time I met the Lord Jesus Christ. And that was for my own christening. And, um, and I think I went to Sunday school once, and, which I left early and walked home. I was five years old. Uh, we're a lot safer here at Willow Park Church. Five-year-olds don't wander out. Uh, but hopefully, but I remember uh, becoming a Christian, great excitement, uh, opening up the uh, New Testament, turning to the book of Matthew. And as I turned it, I was, oh, yes, yes, I'm going to read the story now. And it began, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David and the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac and Isaac, the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Are you kidding me? Is this how good it gets? I thought they said the Bible was alive. And Judah, the father of Piraz and Zariah, whose mother, and so I carried on exactly like that. Who are these people? Tamar? It confuses me. I looked at it and I looked at it as 15 years old. And as I looked at it, I realized, and of course you become far more educated and 
you understand, okay, this is how you pronounce this word. This is how you approach this. These are the genealogies. But really, what is the point? Can I tell you the point? The point was that this is not a once upon a time story. This isn't once upon a time in a land far, far away. A baby was born as if it's made up. What Matthew wants to do, Matthew wants to put us squarely and clearly in history and remind us that this is a historical event. He wants to remind us that here these people lived, that the twins were born to Tamar, that, that the great people in this story were actors and were, were not fabricated, but they were part of history and part of a, of a genealogy. Because in the ancient world, a genealogy was that, that resume. It was that tribe. It was that credibility. See, today, we're very individualistic. We go, okay, this is who I am. And when we write a resume, we put the very best things we've ever done in our lives. We, we let the world know how amazing we are. And if we have weaknesses, it's because, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a perfectionist. I always have to finish a job. But really, here we have a, an ancient genealogy that is a resume of who Jesus is. But interestingly, in the resume, in the genealogy, in the tribe, and people were known for changing genealogies. They, Herod the Great himself in the story is famous for, with archaeologists because he changed his genealogy to look a lot more impressive as a royal king that should be on the throne instead of some kind of despot narcissistic, horrific ruler. He made himself look pretty impressive with his own historical genealogy. But there's a strange thing about this genealogy. It's full of people who have failed. It's full of people who are broken. It's full of stories that are illustrated through people's pain. There are five mothers mentioned here. The mothers of Jesus. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth are mentioned. Bathsheba, actually not by name. And of course, Mary. And although you can pick out the men and their failings and problems and difficulties, it is even more shocking in a society that excluded women, in a society that looked at gender in a, in a, in a negative way, that we have five significant women in the genealogy of Jesus. We have Tamar. I don't know if you know the story. Tamar, of course, gave birth to the twin boys. But of course, this was, she'd been married to two sons of Judah. She seduced her father-in-law, Judah, although he had offended her in that culture. And she became pregnant with her father-in-law's twins. I mean, that is pretty messy business. 
even by ancient standards. This is a this is a uh, uh, incest in the ancient world. This is wrong. This is messed up. This is all of the complexity of life. And and we understand in our own culture the complexity and the pain. And Tamar is here. There, three of these dear women aren't even Jewish. There's a, a Moabitess, and there's two. Canaanites in the, amongst these ladies, these mothers of Jesus. And so Tamar was a deceiver, a liar. She, she seduced Judah and, and gave birth to the twin boys. Uh, we have Rahab, who was a prostitute in, uh, in Jericho and who helped the, um, the armies of, of Israel. We have Ruth, who was a peasant girl, who was searching and, and scavenging on the edge of fields and sleeping at the feet of princes of Israel. We have this little phrase, and David was the father of Solomon. We know that. Whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Wow. Wow. Now, you might say, why isn't Bathsheba even mentioned? I mean, isn't that an insult? No, it's not trying to insult Bathsheba. What it's actually doing is reminding us of all the complex nature of David's dirty laundry, of his failing as a king, and the mess that he produced. David, the father of Solomon. Solomon was the son of Bathsheba, who had formerly been married to Uriah. Uriah had been one of David's mighty men who fought with him in the wilderness and was one of those those guys he could depend on, who he betrayed, sent to battle and had him killed so he could marry his wife. I mean, sordid details and the right of the genealogy reminds us of all of this sordid detail and pain. And then you have a teenage girl who's not married, an angel appears to and says, you are pregnant. The mothers of Jesus. I love this. I love it. Because it tells me something that in our messed up crazy lives of our own genealogies, of our own family life, of our own failings, is that God's grace is enough for all of us. And these descendants of Jesus are messed up, struggle, have problems, and have pain. And yet it was all to come together in a promise in a little town called Bethlehem, where a baby would be born from a young, unmarried mom, a teenage girl, And this would be the promise the prophets had spoken about. And this morning in this communion service, I want to remind you, you are welcome. Whatever your genealogy is, whatever your story has been, wherever you have been, here the Messiah welcomes you. He came to an obscure little hamlet. And was born in a manger so that we may know God's love 
at work in our life. So what you have is outsiders. These people, many of them wouldn't even be allowed in the temple. Wouldn't even be allowed in the tabernacle. These were outsiders. You see, what Jesus does is takes people who are outsiders, people who are culturally unacceptable, people who, are, who don't come up to religious standards, people who are lost, people who stand outside of the restaurant and look through the glass and see everybody eating. He opens the doors and he says, come in. You outsiders, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, Mary, come in. Look at your lives, David, Judah. Look at the way that you have lived. Look at the mistakes you've made. Come in. See, later on in Jewish history, they would talk about how really sin contaminates us. And we're talking a lot about contamination at the moment, aren't we? Flu season, colds, we're all chatting. But they had this idea that if you hung out with sinful people, you would become contaminated by their sinfulness. See, Jesus was going to turn that all around and say, no, 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 no. When you hang out with sinful people, you don't become contaminated I come into a life and I change people's lives and I live within people and there's no contamination. You become clean and infused and new by the glory of heaven and what Christ does for you in your life. We don't, we're not contaminated by sin. We, We infuse the world with the light of Jesus Christ. He wasn't contaminated by his genealogy. He wasn't contaminated by the people he would meet. Whether it was going to be tax collectors, prostitutes, extorters, individuals who are messed up and, and crazy in, the, the, in that whole system, he came to invite everybody to the table and say, you are welcome. You see, around the manger, around that straw, around the child that was wrapped wrapped in swaddling clothes, there's equality and acceptance. Whatever your story is, around the manger, you might think you're pretty special, but we're all broken. We're all in need of a saviour. We're all sinful. We all have stories to tell. But around this manger, there is a flat floor with straw. And it is equal that those that seduce, those that lie, those that scheme, those that are on the edges of society, those that made the most dreadful Decisions are welcome to sit in the stable and to be with the Savior, the gift to all the people. 
See, I want to remind you that this gift was promised. It took a long time to come. It took many generations. If you look at the Mary's song, the most beautiful song in Luke chapter 1 and verse 54, we are reminded that he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. I love that little line at the end of Mary's song because it says, just as he promised to Abraham, he's been faithful to his promise. God in Christmas is faithful to his promise, to all of this genealogy that I stumbled through as a teenager and for years would skip over. But now, the beautiful names become great stories of God's grace. See, the promise, the floor in the stable is called grace. And we all land on God's grace, on God's mercy, on God's grace. And there it is equal. Outsiders are welcome. Failures are welcome. Broken lives are welcome because the promise that was promised in Abraham has come all the way through and God keeps his promises. He's faithful. Can I remind you that it's not on your genealogy or your resume that makes you so special. It's on the promise of the Son and the floor of grace that you are welcomed. And God keeps his promises to each one of us. He is faithful. Therefore, this morning, you and I, we want to be faithful to the Lord. We welcome your presence here, Lord. We welcome your peace in our hearts at this time. Holy Spirit, come and renew our closeness to you. Well, we've thought about genealogies. We've thought about resumes. We've thought about contamination and we've thought about equality. We've thought about outsiders becoming insiders. And we've thought about stories in these words in the genealogy that tell so much more about people's lives. And yet this is who we are. Humanity. It's interesting, then right at the end, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Who is called the Messiah. And then in verse 17, it's interesting, it says, Thus there were 14 generations in all. From Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile in Babylon, and 14 
from the exile to the Messiah. So not only have you now fought your way through a genealogy, now he's going to tell you about a bit of, bit of math. There's 14 generations here. There's 14 generations there. There's 14 generations here. You don't have to be a mathematician or a genius to work it out that 14 divided by 2 is 7. And somehow 7 is a message that comes through in these final verses of the genealogy. Seven, of course, was the day in which the Lord rested. And here it is what f- these 14s add up to. To six sevens. But on the seventh day, the Lord rested. After six days of creation, we know from Leviticus, what, 25, that, that when you've got a, a piece of land, you work it for six years and then you rest for, on the seventh year. So it can create life again. It can create health. We know that after 49 years in the scriptures, it declared that, that you should have a jubilee after these seven, seven Years. Seven years of seven, you declare to the land that if you've got debts and mortgages, and if you are a slave, and if you have all of these problems, then this is jubilee on the 49th year. Let's, let's forgive everybody. Let's welcome everybody. Wouldn't we love that now? Uh, 49 years, your mortgages are paid off. The credit card bill you've ran up this Christmas, it's all paid for. Or you people that are bankrupt, all of you that are overdrawn, all of you that are never going to pay off your mortgage, you slaves and you people, you are now free and it all starts again and we all are forgiven. Wow. The problem is in, in the Israel history, they, they, they wrote about it and they talked about it, but they never did it. They found ways around it. But here, after the six sevens, Jesus arrives at the beginning of the seven seven. He arrives in the genealogy at the beginning of what becomes the time of true jubilee. So if you're bankrupt spiritually, if you are lost, if you are a slave, if you are condemned, if you don't own anything in your life, he says, you know, I'm going to credit your account. I'm going to bring forgiveness. Where you've been a slave to sin, you are now free. Where you need the gift of eternal life, You are now forgiven. Where your account says bankruptcy, he credits it and says son and daughter and you receive the inheritance of heaven. It's the beginning of the greatest jubilee for humanity. And it all starts with the cross. With the humble king coming to this world. And with knowing 
his great sacrifice from the manger to the hill of Golgotha. It all starts here for what he achieved to purchase, if you like, our jubilee. Debts are forgiven. Slaves are set free. You've got a home and your home is eternal. Lord, we thank you that this is who I am. Thank you for your forgiveness. And I thank you for that child that represented the greatest jubilee that would ever come. That I can now step into the rest, into the true Sabbath, into the true jubilee, into the true freedom that there is in Christ Jesus. That you are the beginning of that great seventh generation from the promise of Abraham. You are the seven seven. You are glorious. And we pray now as we search our hearts and think of communion, Christmas. We think Christ coming and we celebrate the Mass, the communion, the Eucharist at Christmas. We remember all that you've done for us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I'm going to invite the ushers to come. We're going to listen to this song. And we're going to come forward, or if you are unable to come forward, or negotiate the steps. I'm not quite sure how we're... But come and... And we'll eat together. We'll take communion as one body once we hold the emblems together. So come. Come and receive Christmas. The night on which the Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed. He took bread and he broke it to their surprise interrupting the Passover he took the bread and said this is my body which is broken for you eat it And Lord, we thank you for the bread that was broken, that reminds us, Lord, that we are broken people, but you were broken so that we may be made whole and healed. We have broken genealogies, we have stories to tell, we are This is who we are, Lord. But you truly are the bread of life. And you gave yourself for us. And we remember.
the cross and all that it means to us, Lord Jesus. The body of Christ. Eat it and remember. In the same manner, he took the cup. said, this is the blood of the new covenant that takes away the sins of the world. I had slaughtered Hundreds of thousands, if not several million lambs in a temple designed as a sacrificial offering. The temple's arrangement was that underneath the place of the slaughter, the the blood would run all the way out of the city and would... um, sort of create a stream towards the Mount of Olives. And when Jesus would have walked on that final night to Gethsemane, he would have actually had to have stepped over that cleanage system, I guess. And as he made that step over towards the Gethsemane, he probably thought, no more lambs, just one lamb that would now die for the sins of the world. No more sacrifices. God himself, as Dorothy Sayer so beautifully wrote in the 40s, that whatever God was up to, he had the courage to come down and live amongst men, to feel the pain that men feel, to feel the isolation and the loneliness to be betrayed in the way that we are often betrayed, to be brutally hurt in the way that humans are so brutal. And yet God had the courage to come and to die for humanity and become one of us, the creator God. This is the mystery of the Trinity. It's the mystery And we thank you, Lord, that you poured out that cup and you said, this is my blood of the new covenant that takes away the sins of the world. Friends, you are forgiven. You are cleansed. You have joined a new genealogy, and that is one of the family of God. The blood of Christ. Drink it.
Lord, we thank you for this holy moment on Christmas. Thank you for communion. We do remember those that need the comfort of Jerusalem in their lives, as Handel wrote to the need to comfort those that mourn. We thank you, Jesus, you came as the great comforter. And Lord, for a moment we remember all those this year and years past who are no longer with us, those who struggle this Christmas because of their feeling of marginalized, those that are alone, those that grieve. We pray, Lord, your peace and your blessing on them. For all of our family members that we're concerned with, for sickness and illness, Lord. All of the mess and the pain and the hurt that swirls around our communities and lives. We pray the peace of Christ on them. The blessing of the Lord. We pray for those that are sick and ill today. For those who are ill, as we've heard of the meningitis outbreak and children in comas, we pray for peace and healing. We intercede for our city and for our country. We pray, Lord, for all the needs this morning on Christmas Eve that you would come and light a candle in their lives of your light, Lord, I pray. Amen. Let's stand together. It's at this point in my heritage, although I can't own it, I'd like to be an Anglican. Because Anglicans, and of course our I'd uh, love to turn to each other after communion and greet each other and say, the peace of the Lord be with you. Well, you can greet each other now and say the peace of the Lord or Merry Christmas. But before we sing our final song together, let's greet each other and bless each other where we are and say, uh, the peace of the Lord be with you. Let's turn now. and peace. A benediction often read for Christmas morning, Christmas Eve. But Romans 16, verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you in the accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings And by the command of the eternal God, so that all Gentiles may be come to obedience in faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. I love that. The hidden long ages past and the eternal God so that all Gentiles might come to obedience. Well, we've come to obedience to the God 
because of the gift of the Son. Bless us now, Lord, as we go out. And thank you. We pray for all of our Christmas Eve services at the South, here at Highway 33, at Glenmore, and at Creekside this afternoon, this evening. We pray you'll bless them all and give them a terrific time and real fruitfulness. For the whole city, we pray that every church would be packed out, every preacher would be blessed and on fire, and the gospel may be proclaimed to tens of thousands across this valley on this Christmas Eve, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.